You're listening to Time in the Word. Dr. Gonzalez reminds us that when a person comes before the judge, it will not be to determine his or her eternal destiny. That destiny was already determined by the person here on earth. No one will be saved after death. Salvation comes to those who at some point during their lifetime here on earth place their trust in Christ as Lord and Savior. In this message, Dr. Gonzalez will discuss the purpose of the future judgments. He explains that the future judgments can be broken into three main groups, the judgment at the rapture, the judgments at the second coming, and the judgments after the millennial kingdom. Let us listen as Dr. Gonzalez continues his study on end times prophecy. We will today continue our uh, study in Bible prophecy. We are actually coming to the final stretches of this series. We have already um, considered 30 or so different uh, lessons uh, before we, we've reached uh, this particular point. We have a few more to go and we will have completed the entire series on uh, Bible prophecy a series we've entitled The Bible and Tomorrow's Headlines. Well, today we're going to start considering a new chapter in the series entitled The Coming Judgments and Resurrections. And uh, we're going to consider the number of judgments when these judgments are going to occur. We're going to talk about the resurrections and uh, what resurrections will take place and when they will occur. And we'll talk about the, the judge uh, in particular, who will be the one who will judge during these judgments. The first passage I want to look at is John chapter 5 and verses 21 through 23 and verse 27. And this is what Jesus said, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom He is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. And verse 27, and he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. So clearly, in this passage, we find Jesus himself saying that he will be the judge during these various judgments. He has been given authority to judge because of who he is, the Son of Man. And remember, as Christians, we have made claim and uh, continue to remind you of this claim that we believe the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus Christ is not only a man, but He is the God-man. He is full deity. He is God Himself. Uh, so the Bible clearly teaches us in John chapter 5, the passage we just read, that Jesus will be the judge during these uh, various judgments that we will be discussing. Now several things I want to point out before we actually start considering the various judgments. We know for a fact, because the scripture clearly tells us this, that His judgments will be fair and in accordance to the will of the Father. And also that Jesus, and this is important to remember because we live in a society and a world that has a completely different worldview and mindset regarding these things. We know for a fact that the Scripture teaches us that Jesus, the judge, is not a respecter of persons, meaning this, the things that the world would normally regard as important 
or regard or of something of value will in essence mean nothing to the judge. The world's opinion of an individual means nothing to the judge. Why? Because the judge knows far more about all of us than the world does. Uh, remember, and, and keep this in mind because this is, this is one of those points that we need to make certain we apply and understand and live out. We cannot, nobody can fool the judge. Jesus knows everything. There's absolutely nothing hidden from the judge. So when he serves as the judge, he's, he's as fair as you could get. You can't have a fairer judge than Judge Jesus because he knows everything. And whatever the world regards as important is irrelevant to him. He will actually expose the things that we think may be hidden from him, which truly are not. We cannot fool the judge. He will not overlook the facts and he will not overlook the issues. His holiness, and remember this, his holiness guarantees that he will judge in accordance with God's or the Father's moral absolutes. Now, just as a sidebar here, let me remind uh, the audience of this. There is such a thing as absolute truth. There is such a thing as moral absolutes. Even though we live in a day and age, and even though we live in a society that denies not only the existence of God, and since it denies the existence of God, it denies the truthfulness or the, or the existence of, of such thing as absolute truth or absolute moral uh, absolutes. As far as God is concerned, whatever He has said regarding anything is it. And although we may have the idea that we can deny certain things, the denial of those things doesn't eliminate those things from being true or from existing. Christ will judge all people and He will judge Christians in terms of, at the judgment seat of Christ, but He will judge all people based on his holiness, based on his knowledge of the facts and the issues, and his holiness will guarantee that he will judge in accordance with God's absolute moral uh, absolutes. At one time or another, listen to me, at one time or another, and I suppose this is one of the reasons why people often don't like to talk about death, particularly unbelievers, but at one time or another, every single human being, every single human being will come before the judge to be judged. Now, what judgment you come to and what you're judged for, that is determined by you. If you're a believer in Christ, you will appear before a certain judgment and your works will be evaluated and will be rewarded or you will suffer the loss of rewards. If you're not one who has trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, you will come before Christ in a different judgment, not to determine whether you receive rewards, not even to determine whether you go to heaven or hell, but uh, uh, in order to see what degree of punishment you will receive in hell. And we'll elaborate a little bit more on this as we, as we move forward. But we know for a fact that the judge will not be able to be manipulated. He cannot be bribed. He cannot be tricked. He cannot be deceived. He knows everything absolutely everything about everybody. 
And although he's a merciful God, and although he's a merciful judge, he will judge, listen, he will judge in righteousness. Okay, now let's consider the judgments and the times of those judgments. There's three particular times that we're going to look at, and, three part- uh, and, and more than three, but uh, a series of different judgments uh, depending on the time uh, that we're talking about. Now, there's one thing I want to talk about before we get into the actual judgments. When a person comes before the judge, and please listen to me and understand what I'm saying. When a person comes before the judge, it is not to determine that person's eternal destiny. Do you understand what I'm saying? Please listen to what I'm saying. You, because there's a lot of people out there, and I've had conversations with these people. There's a lot of people who think that at some point or another, these are people who, 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 who may not be Christians, but believe in the existence of, of a greater power. They actually believe that at some point, when they die, they will come before God, and when they are before the judge, they will then determine whether they go to heaven or hell. That is not true. That is not the biblical teaching at all. When you come before the judge, it is not to determine your eternal destiny. The, your eternal, listen to me, your eternal destiny has been determined by you here on this earth. Did you, did you get that? It is up to you. It is up to you as to whether you go to heaven or hell. God has given you the opportunity to understand who Jesus is. He has given you the gospel. He has provided you with his word. And he is hoping that you in your free will will respond to God, to the invitation God has extended uh, uh, to you in order to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior and to repent of your sin. This lifetime, This life you're currently living right now on earth is the time God has given you to to decide for yourself whether you will go to heaven or hell. You will not come before the judge and bargain or deal or negotiate your entrance into heaven. That has been determined by you in this lifetime. That's why the Bible clearly teaches us that there's a there's an appointed time for salvation and that the day of salvation is today since you don't know what tomorrow brings and you can't guarantee your existence tomorrow that's why God says the day of salvation is today so please understand that this message is very important to you and it's important that you understand what I'm saying because your eternal destiny lays on your response to the facts that I'm giving you from Scripture. You as an individual, every single one of us will come before the judge one day. When we come before the judge, it is not to determine our eternal destiny. That has been determined already by us individually during this lifetime here on planet Earth. We will appear before the judgment of God for various other reasons not to determine that. That being said, let's look then at the purpose of the future judgments. And the future judgments can essentially be broken down in three different uh, uh, main groups. One, the judgment at the rapture. The second, 
uh, main group is judgments at the second coming, and the third main group is judgments after the millennium kingdom. So first of all, we're going to look at the judgment at the rapture. Uh, if you have a Bible with you and you turn to Romans chapter 14 and verse 10, this is what Paul said. You then, why do you judge your brother or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. And then there's another passage in which Paul states this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, where he says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, please understand that the judgment that I am speaking of right now is the judgment to which all believers will appear. This is not a judgment where individuals who have not repented and accepted Christ as Lord and Savior will appear in and be judged. This is this is the judgment where Christians come before Christ and their lives and works are evaluated in order to determine their rewards based on what they have done. In Paul's words, uh, the things that have been done while in the body, whether good or bad. But the scripture is clear in this. Paul was clear in this, that all, in this case, all Christians, all believers, all those who belong to God, all those who are born again, children of the living God, will appear before the judgment seat of Christ and their lives will be evaluated. Now, let's break this down into a few different uh, categories. First of all, what is the judgment seat of Christ? Well, Paul says that when he speaks of the judgment seat of Christ, he's referring to it as the bima. One New Testament commentator stated this, the Greek word bima is used by the Apostle Paul to describe this judgment. A bima was a seat or raised platform where a judge sat as he made his decision regarding a case. This word was also used in connection with the platform uh, on which the umpire or referee sat during the Olympic Games uh, or the... Uh, Eshman Games at Corinth. This was the place where the winners of the various events received their rewards. The Apostle Paul seems to have this idea of reward in mind as he speaks of the judgment seat of Christ. This then is actually a place of rewarding, not punishment. Simply stated, simply stated, the judgment seat of Christ is a place where Christ will sit and evaluate our lives as Christians for the purpose of giving us eternal rewards. So that is what the judgment seat of Christ is. When will this judgment occur? Well, we know from Scripture that the judgment seat of Christ, the judgment of believers or, the, or, or, the, or of the lives and works of the believers will take place after the resurrection and the rapture of the church and before the second coming of Christ. Now, if you've been with us throughout this series, we've sort of painted you the picture of how the sequence of, the, the sequence of events are going to take place. Just before uh, the tribulation period starts, the church is raptured. And we know that during the tribulation period, the seven-year tribulation period, 
we as the church will be in the presence of, of, of Christ going through two different events. First of all, we're going through the judgment seat of Christ. So secondly, we're going through the marriage supper of the Lamb. So we know that this judgment will occur after the resurrection and the rapture of the church, but before the second coming, before the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation period ends. In Luke chapter 14, in verse 14, the Lord taught that Christians will be rewarded at the time of the resurrection, which is an important part of the rapture event. By this time, and after the, uh, after the judgment seat of Christ, those who have appeared before the judgment seat of Christ will return to Christ and set up with Him the millennium kingdom. So we know what the judgment seat of Christ is. We know when it's going to occur. Now, who and again, we, we've sort of alluded to this, but we'll, we'll, we'll make an emphasis again. Who are those who will be judged? Well, we know that the church-age believers who were raptured are the ones who will appear before the uh, Christ at the Bema. Now, there's a number of passages that clearly indicate that, and we looked at uh, several already, Romans 14, verses 10 through 12, and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through, uh, through 10. There is no question that if a person appears, listen, there is no question that if a person appears before Christ at the Bema, this person is a born-again child of God. Nobody who has failed to repent, nobody who has rejected Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Clearly, those who come before Christ at this judgment are all believers. These are people who are saved. In fact, Romans chapter 8 verse 1 tells us that, that, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we know that those who appear before the judgment seat of Christ are people who have passed from death unto life and are no longer under condemnation because the imputed righteousness of Christ has been imputed, the, the, the righteousness of Christ has been imputed to the believer. We just come before Him in order to have our lives and works evaluated and in order to determine what rewards, what eternal rewards we receive from the judge. Uh, so the unsaved will not be there, neither will the Old Testament saints uh, participate in this particular judgment. Now, what will be judged? And we've already alluded to that, but we will expand a little bit on that. Our lives will be judged. And the things that we have done in our body as Christians, the works that we have done in our lives will be evaluated. This is not a place to determine whether somebody's been good enough in their experience. And we believe, and, th and this is my position, as I believe the Scripture clearly teaches this, once saved, always saved, this is not a reason to justify doing evil, since I, uh, I already uh, hold to the position that I can't lose my salvation. If I'm truly saved, I'll never even consider that option, because my life is lived in order to bring God glory and honor all the time and in everything I do. But there's three particular things that I want to highlight here as to what is going to be judged and how our rewards are, are going to come to us. First of all, our works are going to be judged. Were, listen to me, were our lives and ministries consistent with God's Word? That is imperative that you understand. Were our lives and ministries, and believe me, all of us have a ministry. This is not something 
uh, that, that we can say uh, belongs to the pastor or to the evangelist or the missionary. Every single believer is a minister and every single believer has a ministry. The point here is what we have done in our lives, have we done it uh, in consistency with what God's Word teaches? Secondly, he's going to look at stewardship. Have we as ministers of God's Word, have we as Christians, have we used what God has entrusted to us for His glory and for the furtherance of the kingdom? And, and thirdly, and this is important because a lot of people miss this, and even a lot of people who are well-known in ministry miss this, our motives will be uh, judged. Not only what I did will be judged, but why I did it will be judged. And, and for, for people who are actively engaged in ministry, it is imperative that you understand this. If you are doing anything in the name of God, but you're doing it for the wrong motives, it will be null and void at the judgment seat of Christ. It will carry no weight and it will gain you no eternal rewards. The motive behind what you do is as important as what you do. If you're doing something in the name of God for the wrong reason, if the motivation is impure or if there's a, a, a personal agenda behind what you do in the name of God, it will render your service for God, at least in that area of ministry, it will render it null and void. Now, the results of, of, of the rewarding, what are we looking at? First of all, there's a negative aspect to the judgment seat of Christ and there's a positive aspect to the, to the judgment seat of Christ. We know for a fact that there are things that we have done or, or failed to do that, will, that we, we will be judged on that will result in the loss of reward. In other words, there are things for which I will not be rewarded. That's the negative side of the judgment seat of Christ. Not everything I have done, in spite of how noble that task might have been or how good it might have been in my eyes, that particular work or motive or, or, or failure to be a good steward may result in me not receiving an eternal reward. So the negative aspect is that I may suffer the loss of rewards. The positive side is that if I've done things with the right motivation. I have been a faithful steward and the works that I have done have been done for the glory of God and for the furtherance of the kingdom. I will receive eternal rewards and the Bible speaks about uh, the variety of crowns that we will receive. The rewards will carry positive consequences. Listen, in Christ's millennium kingdom and possibly his eternal kingdom. So we need to realize folks that First of all, we don't appear before the judge to make the determination as to whether we enter heaven or not. And as Christians, when we come before Christ at the Bema, our lives will be evaluated and everything will be exposed to us. Just like no unbeliever can hide their sin and the rejection of Christ and the things that they think they do in private from from, from the judge, neither can we as Christians hide anything. He knows what we've done, he knows what we have failed to do, and he knows why we have done it. And all that will be exposed and it'll result either in us losing reward or it'll result in us receiving eternal rewards. And those 
will have consequence in the future, uh, not only in what role we play in the millennium, but very uh, possibly in, in how it, it, it uh, plays out in the eternal kingdom.